Welcome to Cast of Creators. We're your hosts. I'm Nelson Thal. And I'm Casey Stewart. We've spent our careers in media and publishing, and now we're setting the stage for creative people who inspire us to share their stories. Cast of Creators is presented by our new social browser called Hover. Hover makes browsing fun. You can follow people and your favorite sites to discover and discuss the web all in one place. Download Hover, that's HBR, for iOS or Android. Our guest today is Matthew Pasquale. I've known him since we were in a band together in high school. He went on to earn a black belt in jujitsu and medal at the World Championships. Matt also has a massive 6,000 square foot training gym in the GTA and offers personal coaching virtually or in the gym. We chatted all about sports, fitness, and even got a little throwback to some pictures of him and Nelson in the band. Here we go. Well, Matt, welcome. What's up? It's uh, an honor to have you here. Real full circle moment. For real. How long have we known each other for? Oh, we've known each other since I was in grade one. Grade one. Whoa. So that is... That's an eternity. I couldn't even tell you. I don't know what age you are in grades yet, but I I'll know... I think six. Six or seven. So I was best friends with his brother. Okay, Henry. His brother, we went to grade two, three, and four. Yeah. And then we just, like... I went to a different school and we just lost touch. Like back then it was calling house lines and stuff. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, we're yeah. 10 yes, years old. Have Instagram. So one day I'm sitting in grade nine class, math class in the middle of the class. I turned to the left or the, to the right and Henry's sitting right there. And it was like, we just picked it up right, right from there when we were 13. So yes. Yeah. But one second, the, you were at Crestwood for a bit. Is that where you started? That's where we met. Yes. Yeah. Grade two, three, and four went to Crestwood. Then I went to Armour Heights, St. Mike's and then Metro. Right. And Henry came middle of the year or middle of the yes. semester, Metro. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And then you both were at Metro for grade like seven? No, I, it was grade nine and 10. Okay. Then we went to Rosa Heights and you came the following year because when we, when we re-met up, you were still at Crestwood. Right. Yeah. And, and those years that you were at Metro, yeah. you hadn't yet started playing bass or just, was that when? Okay. So- so I started playing music because Henry was playing guitar and I thought he was like really cool and stuff, yeah. which he was. He yeah, was very still cool. Is. Yeah. Still is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like really good and not just good for like kids our age. He was like good for an adult. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, wow, this kid's actually good at something. And you guys were putting together a band. It was Mobius Strip. Yeah. And he was a drummer. And then Richard was the other guitar player and yeah. he needed a bass player. So I'm like, okay, I'll just play bass because they, that, like, that's what they need. And then that band kind of fizzled out and uh, what's his name came in? Josh. Josh. Josh came in, replaced me as a bass player. And essentially... Josh's head is still spinning on how quickly you got good at bass. It was crazy. So essentially he replaced me, but, but, he, re- but he re- it was necessary that he replaced me because I wasn't good. Okay. I just started and he was really good. And then all of a sudden I was just practicing and practicing and hanging out with you guys. And then one day... I'll never forget it. They needed a bass player because they were recording a track and Josh didn't pick up his phone. He calls me, I pick up my phone and it was like, okay, you want to be in the band now? Done. And that was Theta. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And wow. you know, one thing that Matt is exceptionally great at is bypassing the crappy noob stage right. of stuff. Okay. I must say, and it's a testament to your discipline Yeah, because you hop into something and you get disciplined. And you basically are able to fast track yeah, yeah, a yeah. whole section of crap for normal people. But I would say the 
me getting good at playing the bass and joining that band, that was the first thing that I actually learned how to get good at. Right. I'm like, oh, if you just apply yourself, you get good at stuff. Like, who knew? Right. Like, how am I? No <laughs> yes. one taught me this. Actually, hard work beats talent. I saw in one yeah. of your Instagram posts, and I was like, I, I, yeah, I'm with that. Yeah, because yeah. up until then, like, I was just in school and like played hockey, and you just do like the bare minimum. <laughs> and this was the first thing where I'm like, I'm yeah. like, I actually try to get good at this. Practice all night. Um, I remember that summer I was supposed to get a job and I was like, mom, just let me have like one summer off. Yeah. And I think your mom actually convinced my mom to let me have a summer <laughs> off. I'm like, let me just get good at this. And I'd practice all hours. And I remember hearing my dad like leave for the office and I'm still practicing. Yeah. And meanwhile, Josh is still good. And you know, over time and it just became what it was. Do you still play music? Not really, to be honest. That was, and it's not because like, like when you're a bass player, you need to play with other people. It's right, not yeah. very fun. Like me and him would play a lot together. It's not the type of instrument that's fun to play on your own. Yeah. And maybe Sean drums is kind of like that. Yeah. Player. Yeah. Y- yeah. Yes, it is. And and what there's a unique relationship between a drummer and a bassist. Yeah. And if, you know, you're ultimately, um, if you're not in sync, it, stuff starts to sound pretty amateur pretty quickly. Yeah, I would <laughs> say know? so. Like the glue if you think of a great R&B track, that glue that keeps the track together is the relationship, really, yeah. between the drums and the bass. Yeah, like the rhythm section, we hold it down. You know, we not only are personally friends, but like musically, we need to be friends too. Yeah. And I think like me and now at one time became like, we were really, really close, like closer than Henry and I were. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's when our like coming together and playing music was probably its strongest. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and we were hopping into like with Theta, it was progressive rock. Like the influence of that influences on that band were comp. It was complicated music. Like it was not amateur hour tracks. Right. Um, and we we put together an album called Through the Vanishing Point, which okay. is on iTunes. Yeah. It is iTunes. really. Yeah. Oh my god! I Look, didn't know this about you. We're big time, man. Yeah, oh we're big god. time. Like this is a big deal for you. This is going to be in the show notes. Like, yes. okay, I'm yeah. going to add it to my favorites we were 16 and he was 15 because he yeah. didn't have his license at the time yeah we recorded that and uh you know what looking back at it doesn't sound like 15 year olds okay I can tell you okay. That. yeah so um we ended up with this um this album that we had rehearsed and and down extremely well i'd say yeah. and we went into um um the largest studio in toronto at the time maybe it still is phase one yeah i don't know the studio games changed right now totally. everything is private studios people have setups in their yeah. you know apartments and stuff and i thought it would be um fun to dive into um one of these clips wow. okay so where I do a- you find this <laughs> <laughs> so, so i've got this yeah. clip uh henry graciously provided it okay oh my god so, so for anyone um, listening <laughs> that no, I was 16. I was 16 and a virgin, okay? YouTube yeah. <laughs> so that you can see what's about to happen. So uh, here's Matt here. I'm oh, here. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is Bob Gallo, who was our producer, um, who also produced uh, James Brown, a couple other classic Crazy. guys. Henry's here, uh, my yeah. brother and our singer. Check this clip out, Matt. This is mad. I know it. It's amazing. So this is we're listening back to um, one of Henry's takes of his solo. I remember this. Okay. 
I remember that because he he did a bunch of takes and we we didn't know which one that he nailed and that was the one he nailed and then we all came together and still when I listen to that song I never quite know if he's actually going to nail the notes yeah like even though it's recorded we obviously yeah, know yeah. but I'm always like okay you got it <laughs> totally wow. we watch him we've got um some of the clips of him actually you know playing the solo um this is pre iPhone yeah, yeah this is pre iPhone this is like yeah. my dad in there proud father just filming and 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 these you know when you go into a studio like this as kids you know you're on the clock like every hour you're paying for so you've got to come in incredibly polished yeah Yeah. and one of the songs on the album um called um uh information overload is a um an 18 minute long song yeah okay 18 minutes and i'll tell you you should listen to the song, okay? Information overload. Yeah, I mean, it, you definitely need eighteen minutes. You need eighteen minutes, <laughs> okay? But um, this is a a, a complex track yeah. that th- on the album is the last time we ever played the song. Okay, <laughs> I think. Do <laughs> we play it live, live once? We, we played it live <laughs> once. Second last time, we played it straight through, like and, that and is live? together live. Yeah, it's a big track. For it's a, a big crowd? track. Pardon? For like a crowd? We, we, oh. we played it live after the album. Okay, okay. But that um, that take on the album is a, a straight take other than the guitar solo. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I remember we were huge Pink Floyd fans, like yeah. really big Pink Floyd fans. Mm-hmm. So we listened to The Wall and Echoes and Dark Side and all these albums like really influenced us. Yeah. And there's so much, when you listen to that song, there's so much Pink Floyd influence on that song. Yeah. That was like kind of like, uh, we're Pink Floyd fans and like, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'd yeah. say that if it was a love child between any bands, it would be like Pink Floyd, Dream Theater. A little Dream Theater. Dream Theater ish. <laughs> King Crimson. King Crimson. You know? Yeah, a little Dream Theater with a the guitar, but I'd say Pink Floyd was definitely like the band that brought us together. So for yes. me, for sure, me too. I might have told you the story, but this was like, this is right before I started playing music. When I first started, I started playing guitar just because Henry played guitar. I'm like, okay, I'll just do what he does. And then quickly after, they needed a bass player. So it was just, you know, they just needed one, so I'm like, I'll just be that guy. But I was so Nell used to have like hundreds, not not hundreds, but literally like thirty people at his house all weekend. Yeah, <laughs> and that's not actually that's not an exaggeration. There would be so many people. Yeah, he was true. very very popular, and he 13, was yeah, 14, yeah. And he was in grade eight, and I remember they were watching the co- the concert Pulse. Yeah, by Pink Floyd, and Comfortably Numb was playing, and I was walking past his room, and I remember I stopped and I looked in, and it was you know, David Gilmore's guitar solo. And I was just like, wow. Yeah. And that was like my first thing. Like I got to, whatever's happening here, like I got to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So Pink Floyd is still, you know, one of those bands that like when I, anytime I listen to it, it brings me back to these specific moments, sitting in, in the backyard, listening to the wall, the first, the first side of the wall. Totally. And, you know, all those times. So totally. Love that. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that the first sort of moment that I had that was sort of a connection between me and music was Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd. was Echoes yeah. Pink Floyd. I listened to it. We were out west on a trip and we were driving through the mountains like yeah. from Calgary out west and I had Echoes. They're like their best hits album on. Yeah. It was, you know, it snuck in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, okay, so then we did that album and then we had rented rehearsal space to start recording our next album. And this is yeah. probably now we're into our later teams. i was at metalworks yes. so i'd have been 18 19 right because no one i went to metalworks and no was a year older than me yes so so 
Um, Henry and Matt ended up going to a music high school. Oh, cool. Went to Rosa Heights. Cool. Um, And uh, and they did very well at that school. (laughs) I mean, think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then you graduated and went to Metalworks. Yeah, I wanted to go to an. Basically, when I graduated, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and I just started fitness, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu at the time, like my last year of high school. But that was music was still number one. So I'm like, let me just you know go become a recording engineer. Oh, cool. Um, so me and Noah, who was the singer of the band, went to a school called Metalworks, which was basically a studio that also offered school. Oh, and it was wow, a full cool. yeah, it was a full year program. And then we had rented space at this at this place, and we were doing uh, basically the second album, which was trending very well. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> it was. It was a little bit more King Crimson and less Pink Floyd. Because yes. I'm like, we were like music nerds, right? We were very yeah. technical yeah. and like we would nerd out about things. And um, yeah, like we were just building this album. And I don't really know how the band kind of like stopped becoming a band. It just kind of fizzled away slowly, you know? Yeah. Life creeps in. Yeah. yeah. And also, you know what? What ends up happening is you start to hit this wall of, are you going to tour? Like, are you oh, okay. going to start? I've never been in a band. Are you going to so take this know. seriously enough to yeah. actually do a ton of shows? Yeah. I think that too. And, um, you know, life too. Like, Henry started to date a girl. Noah had a girlfriend. Yeah. Like, we're in, you know, university or other. Like, I went to university after Metalworks and just right. things kind of happen. And it is yeah. what it is. And it's very hard to keep a band together from, you know, essentially high school till, you know, yeah. in the 30s. It, it, and actually, rewind a little bit when we just finished the uh, the Theta album. Um, we had our uh, Theta Parents Association. Okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, because what ends up happening is like, you know, you're paying for the studio. Then then we got a deal with this, um, this record company, Lost Gold. Yeah. Okay. And then what ends up happening is it sort of takes on a life of its own. And all of a sudden, the record company and the people around you are are trying to push you around. Yeah. Okay. And trying to push our, our um, lead singer around. And he wasn't a good push around guy. Okay. Yes. He didn't want to start pushing him around because exactly. he'd recoil. Like if you push him, he, he just recoils right. from it. So we, we ended up in this deal. And then we all were like, you know, let's get out of this deal. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're all 17 is the oldest and 15 is the youngest. We're all minors. Yeah, we don't know right. what we're doing. Right. Yeah. So that's why we yeah. needed the Yeah, that's why we needed the parents the yeah. parents association. So um we decide, you know what, we want to get out of this deal. So they basically yeah. threatened us with a lawsuit to stay I got served papers at my house. Right. You got right. My dad's like, what is this? Is like they're like, we're suing your son. I'm like, but he's sixteen. Oh my god. <laughs> exactly. That was the most fugazi lawsuit yeah. of all time. <laughs> totally. You're suing a bunch of high school kids. We're just like from a verbal totally. agreement. From a verbal agreement. The guy's like, Yeah. You owe me all this because you like said you would do it. Like, well, we're sixteen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. we ended up having a meeting at your house with was all of the ha- parents. I thought it was at your house. Maybe there were two was- then, but I remember one being at your house. Really? Yeah. Okay. In like, uh, yeah, in between the kitchen area and the and the kitchen. There was a major one at your house, which was yes. deciding to go to the studio. Yes. Yeah, that was good. Remember, actually, before we decided to go to the studio to do the second half. Um, uh, remember, no, uh, our lead singer didn't want to go, or there was we were all sort of contributing cash to to pay yeah. for the studio time, yeah. and he didn't want to, you know, he, and, and we were screaming into pillows because I'm so pissed <laughs> <Yeah>. off. <laughs> yeah, so that was oh like gosh, incredibly fun times. 
it really feels as you get to this age, like into your 30s, it's like it feels like a prior life. It does. In yeah. some respect. Well, it kind of is, right? Like, yeah. you know, yeah, every seven years could be like a, a new life. And that was, for me, that was like two versions of myself ago. There was like the gym owner mat now, and then the Brazilian jiu-jitsu mat, and then the music mat. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like two different variations of who I was. 100%. Because yeah. you started to get into the BJJ and Brazilian, Brazilian yeah. Jiu-Jitsu. That's also because of you too. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, yeah, because Mark was into MMA yeah. early. We we started watching the UFC and I remember it was the ultimate fighter one and when Randy Couture was really big. So yeah. for people who know MMA, Randy Couture is like the goat of MMA. Um, him versus Chuck Liddell. We'd watch all the fights and back then there were like every month and a half to two months. It was actually a lot of anticipation. Mm-hmm. And I was... Eight, I was 18 at the time because I started jiu-jitsu five days before I turned 18. I went there. They're like, you can't sign the waiver. You're 17. I'm like, going to be 18 next week. They're like, okay, fine. And originally I went there and I'm like, I want to learn how to punch and kick people. Yeah. Because right. like when you watch the UFC as an 18 year old kid, you don't see like the in- intricacies of grappling. You just see violence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that looks cool. So I went there and like they said, well, we don't have kickboxing at this time. We have right. jiu-jitsu. I'm like, okay, I'll just try this. And Fast forward, you know, I'm 34, trained this morning, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, I, I almost feel like maybe at that time the band was starting to shift and then this new passion of mine was starting to grow and yeah. it just kind of like... Crossfaded. Yeah, crossfaded essentially. <laughs> like crossfaded. this will now take up the majority of my time and energy and that is kind of fading off. Absolutely. And you, yeah. um, I mean, you basically soaked up this wealth of knowledge at the BJJ that you were just bursting with and sharing because i remember oh, yeah. like, we oh, yeah. were sort of pull, tr- doing a bit of training together yeah. at yeah. that and mm. it was um it was unbelievable because actually it opened our eyes to what the heck these guys on the ufc were even we're doing. actually yeah. yeah you know like we knew we were we we knew the guard you know like we, we knew the basics we knew the basics like from the announcer but we didn't know anything like you know, it's hard to see jujitsu unless you unless you've actually experienced it. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, a lot of detail and a lot of like mm-hmm. pressure and a lot of like we call it like invisible invisible jujitsu where it's like yeah you could see the submission but how did he get there? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know. So you start in jujitsu as a is there the belts? There's yeah, white yeah. belt, right? Everyone starts with a white belt. Okay, so you yep. start at your white belt. Yeah. And you basically are going. Were you going there every week or twice a week or what was I, the routine? I can't really remember when I first started. Um, I liked jujitsu, but I also liked kickboxing as well and boxing. So I was kind of doing everything, but my, like my actual love for jujitsu grew when I was about a blue belt, which would have been, I got my purple belt in 2009, I think. So 2008, 2009, 2010, like around then, because previous to that, the instruction we had was good, but it was a little bit behind in terms of like the world stands, you know, like the world standings. So we would go to tournaments locally and like, I wasn't confident if I was going to win just because, you know, our instruction and our, just our systems weren't, weren't that good. So we switched affiliations. So every jujitsu um, gym is affiliated with like a bigger affiliation. Yep. Oh, so, that's interesting. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. So think of it like, 
like a Hell's Angels. You have Hell's Angels, Hamilton yeah. and Milton, and but we're all Hell's Angels. Right. That's okay. the easiest comparison. Yeah, good one. Yeah, I did. I was. Um, I did Taekwondo. Okay, and, cool. Like, competed in Taekwondo, and yeah. but it was like ITF. you competed in Taekwondo. Yeah, I won. A, <laughs> on, yeah, I won an Ontario like sparring championship. Yeah. I was like really good at sparring. I also was on a wrestling team. Cool. Yeah, we're actually cool. gonna fight after this. So yeah, that's... we're gonna fight. Yeah. I love what you said. You <laughs> right. love for kicking and punching. I also love kicking and punching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went from being like a ballet dancer, and then I transitioned and I did Taekwondo. Oh, a wow. transition. Yeah, and but I mean, I got all my trophies at home and stuff. Like, I love to fight, and I'm really good at a high kick. I could probably roundhouse you in the face. In the face, well, I, I probably pull guard. You know, <laughs> I broke someone's jaw once, and really? I roundhouse you broke in the face. Jaw. Yeah, we wow. had a black belt come to my club, and I was a teenager, and, that and he was, was a like, problem. "I know," because we were sparring. Because like yeah, yeah. I was a teenager, but he goes, "My mom was watching, and it was like in slow motion." He goes, "Come on, Casey, just hit me," and my mom goes, "Oh fuck, here we go," and I just went. And I slapped him right in the face and he was out for three months. And that was like, and I was like, don't tell me to do that ever again. Wow. Wow. I guess you broke, assaulted broke another human. Yeah, he's broken up with you after that. It's <laughs> <laughs> like wow. Because uh, I was like, I, where I was, was like, this? New Zealand? No, no, no. I grew up in like uh, Kitchener, like Waterloo, Cambridge. Area. Oh, okay. Kitchener. <laughs> it was like Kitchener downtown. Downtown Kitchener. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Okay, How many years did you do that? I did it for four years. I have my green belt. And I also used to do like self-defense seminars at the mall. Cool. So they would do like, my dad did it. My mom, my, my we did it Taekwondo as a family. I never told you this. I don't know anything about this, but I'm going to be more careful around you yeah. now. I've been pushing why you, my Why mom. did you start, start doing um, martial arts again? I, well, I, I would like to. I would. I would like to come to your gym, but we already talked about that it's so far. Well, my gym, we don't have jujitsu. It's okay. just strength and conditioning. But if you wanted to do jujitsu, I feel like that's the martial art that anyone gets into now. It's like I the most like popular. I would, really, I would really enjoy it. And There's like, jujitsu places near you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was like um, on like one of the first like grade seven and eight. I was on a, a girls wrestling team and it was one of the first like wrestling teams in Ontario. Cool. And I was like also a champion of that. I just I really enjoy it. You might not think it's I love fighting actually if you like wrestling you like grappling a lot yeah yeah it's like sure. wrestling with submissions great so the and i feel like the end goal of wrestling is not like satisfying like pinning somebody no, is like no. but when you tap somebody out they basically admit that you killed them or damaged their life that right? sounds like a lot of fun to me yeah. <laughs> i think yeah, so yeah you should go to either the bj i mean you'd know more Toronto BJJ, Blue yeah. And Christy. Yeah. actually i know i know exactly where it is yeah hmm. you should go there I'll, i mean casey's getting been getting since the pandemic i guess You've been getting deep into weight training. Yes, I love weight training. Well, let's I, talk uh, about it. Where are you yeah. training? Um, so I train at a gym called The Body Engineers. It's on the Body um, Engineers. It's near my house in the um, Junction Triangle. And uh, before I went there, I didn't know how to use any of the machines. And now, like, I can use any machine in the gym. I like love doing the squ- squat rack. I love like doing deadlifts. I love yeah. doing everything. I was like, you know, last night there was a new guy in um, <clears throat> my class. I go like three times a week. And I was like looking at the weights that he's lifting and I was like, I got this guy beat. And I was like, you know, it's not like it's not like it's a competition, but I mean, it gave me Feels certain, good. certain joy because I was like, oh, and like I actually have like pipes now. I remember one day yeah. Nelson gave me a hug or we were at he tapped me on the arm. He's like, whoa, Case. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like, almost canceled the whole podcast. I didn't like <laughs> I didn't like what I, I mean. <laughs> I, I, that's why I put this that. here. I moved this try and create a barrier. <laughs> I, I think that's very common, especially so. Now it's not as um, I don't want to say taboo, but I think like women always had like um like a negative reaction to weight training. They're like, oh, if I like touch a weight, I'm gonna be massive and huge, and yeah. it's not really like that. 
I felt like no. that. Yeah, it's not it's not like that at all. It's like if I give you a hockey stick, you're not gonna wake up and be Wayne Gretzky, right? It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, but I mean, it's I true, like though. Yeah. I love it because yeah. I was also afraid, like you know, I'm um five two, like I'm not like a huge person, but I yeah. also was like, I don't want to be like hey, I'm jacked. Like I don't nah. want to be like. But I mean, I love now that I have muscles. Like my legs are really strong, and yeah. like I can like lift stuff. You know, I'm. I just it makes me feel really, really good. And amazing. Like, to get me now doing jujitsu, like Sean, my boyfriend, he's like, I'm more worried about, you know, if I'm out somewhere at night, he's like, I'm more worried about getting a call from the police that you injured someone versus you calling and saying yeah. something happened to you. Yeah. Because I'm yeah, like, be you dope. know, I feel really strong now. Like, yeah. don't mess with me. Well, my thing was kind of the opposite. Like I started jujitsu ju- first and then I lifted weights to become strong for grappling. Yeah. I just felt like I felt weak. I was 18 and I would say... Like puberty wise, I was probably a late bloomer. I didn't really feel like I went through puberty until like 19, 20, 21, where everyone was just more physical than me. So I'm like, okay, I got to figure this out. And yeah. I started, um, there was a guy that I used to train with and he said, every Saturday we do this like strongman group, you yeah. know, just come flip tires, you know, lift up stones, just, you know, in a group, yeah. and it's the same group of guys that I was grappling with. So I'm like, okay, cool. I started going there and I never missed a session. It was close yeah. to my house. It was easy. It was like something I looked forward to. And then from there, we added two weight training days in the gym. Mm-hmm. And that kind of started my direction into weight training. Mm-hmm. And then from there, uh, the coach that I had, Josh Hewitt, he, I, I was asking him, like, what did you do? You went to school. Like, tell me what you did. And he's like, you should go get kinesiology degree. And yeah. that's what I did. After, after the audio engine degree, I went to uh, York to do kin. Cool. And that's kind of started yeah, my love of weight training. that there. degree. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I started university three. Years? That was I took it five years, but I right. only I never did a full course load because I still want to yeah, um, train and do stuff. And I would take courses in the summer and stuff. But uh, I started university two years after normal, like the normal age of university. So I started when I was twenty. Most people right. start when they're eighteen, turning nineteen. Yeah, yeah. And um, so you then started to compete in jujitsu. Yeah, right? I, well, I competed right away. When I first started, and then there was a year and a half, two years that I didn't really compete, but I was also boxing, and I liked boxing a lot. But I just don't think, like personality-wise, I don't think I'm meant to box because the thing about boxing is it's very like it's more violence. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's more aggressive and it's more violent. Like when you hurt somebody, you're like actually trying to hurt them. Yeah. Where I find in jujitsu, it's like you could beat somebody, but I'm not trying to hurt the person. But it's right. like it's like a combination yeah. of like skill, maybe. Yeah. It's more like aggressive. But boxing still is a high level of skill, but it's like if you hurt a guy and you see he's hurt, you got to put him out, or you right. got to like you got to continue that. Where yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and I just find the the culture is not the same. Boxing gyms are very hostile because yeah. everyone's like mm-hmm. eyeing you down. Everyone's like, "Yo, we're gonna fight because it's we're fighting." Yeah, Grappling fine. gyms are welcoming. Everyone, it's like we have this camaraderie built up because. Like you tap me, I tap you. We're friends. Like we've gone through this thing together. Right. But yeah. boxing didn't feel that way, and. At the time, I might not have been aware of it, but looking back now, I think that was another thing. And also, I had gotten two concussions fairly right. close together that weren't like a huge red flag, but just, it just wasn't, I don't know, it just wasn't the thing that I wanted to pursue. And also, we had a new jujitsu instructor and a new affiliation that got everyone way better. And we had sent a kid to Worlds named Tommy, who's the only Canadian to win Worlds. Wow. Um, he won at Blue Belts which is, you know, there's white, blue, purple, brown, black. 
to win it at blue belt is is still very very high level i would yeah. say sometimes it's even tougher because a lot of people as you go through the belts competitors start to fall off yeah of course so like obviously black belt's the hardest but at blue belt you just have so many guys yeah mm-hmm. there's like 200 people in your division and when i saw that it just kind of opened my eyes like wow this random kid from like my country who i train with won worlds like he is the best of the world the best in the world that has weight his weight class and his belt so he almost like paved the way and showed us that it was possible. And that's when I like doubled down in jiu-jitsu. I'm like, I'm just going to do this. And you also won a world. I came third. Okay. Yeah, and I have two bronze. You competed, yeah. yeah. My first world that I did was at Purple Belt. Yeah. I got bronze in my weight class. And when you do your weight class, you could also decide to enter the absolute class. It's not mandatory, but in order to, to enter the absolute class, you have to at least meddle in your weight class. And what is the absolute class? No weight class. Oh, so it's, like it's whatever. Many. Yeah, whatever size people are, but they're all medalists. Right. So at that time I did uh, super heavy. So I'm usually like 220 to 225. Super heavy is the second heaviest weight class. So I was 221 and under. And you could face a guy who's lightweight, who's like 167, 181. It doesn't matter, it, but it's up to them to compete. Right. You have to physically go and sign your name up for it. Right. And then I got third in that as well. So that was my best world competition that I, that I did. Yeah. Wow, amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. So it's pretty, yeah, who's pretty good. in charge of deciding that someone's no longer a blue belt and they're like the next belt up? Because I the guess, famous question, dude. Because I guess. Like, do you have to do, <laughs> like, you have you to do a grading? It's not like um, but traditional martial arts like Taekwondo right. and karate and stuff like that. It's, there's a lot more that goes into it. Um, it depends. If you're a competitor, I'd actually say you'd probably get held back at the belts longer. Because say if I went, say if I was a purple belt and I went to Worlds and I got third, they may be like, okay, next year you get gold. So let's hold it right. back. A, a bronze medalist purple belt could probably beat any black belt any day of the week who's recreational. But right. just because you could beat that black belt doesn't mean you're a black belt. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. But the thing is, though, you could hold a guy back, not give him the next belt, and yeah. he'd go in as like... <laughs> A black belt with a purple belt. <laughs> a, a, that, that's a theory. They call it sandbagging. It, ah, it, it works to a sandbag. point because you, because now that the sport's so popular, you have kids that are have started at five years old. So when they're fifteen, they're ten year old. They're ten years in the game at blue belt. Because so, I think you can't get your purple belt until you're seventeen or eighteen. I can't remember the exact age. So you won a medal as a purple belt. I won two medals at worlds at purple. Uh, what what medals? Third, third, third in both the weight and the absolute. So wow. can you say the second and first, they're, they're black belts. They're, they should have been, they should have no, been other belts. You, can, you, can't, you can't say that. No. They were purple belts. We were all purple belts at that day. <laughs> Except one and two. They were, well, they should have been. Here's the thing. The guy, yeah. who, the guy who beat me in the absolute won the absolute Felipe Pena, and he got his brown belt on the podium. So technically. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it doesn't work that way. So funny. That? I was going to make a joke about yeah. that, but he actually, they he actually, actually did, did yeah, that. He won That's, weight. Uh, he won the podium? Yeah, he won the weight in absolute and tapped everybody. He's a phenom. And he's still, he's considered one of the best grapplers right now. Wow. Um, but you got to remember too, like at that time, if you don't sign up for the comp, like say if you're the best purple belt in the world and you don't go to the competition, like no one knows. Yeah. Right. And you know, some Brazilians don't have visas. Like it's in California. Like there's a lot that goes into it. But once you get to black belts, all of that stuff is kind of pushed to the side. Cause like once the guy, whoever wins the black belt absolute championship, that, that is the best black belt at that time. Mm-hmm. 
You yep. can't zoom in or Google me in. <laughs> yeah, you can't. <laughs> like, like the best black belts are signing up for the competition. There's no like random guy who's really good that just doesn't compete. Right. <laughs> because like he wouldn't be as good as that guy because that guy is a professional, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You got to think it takes X amount of years to get your black belt. Yeah. Most of the guys are like, you know, 21 to 30. You would think they would have a job by now mm-hmm. if, unless their job is jujitsu. Right. 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 How long did it take you? Uh, you have your black belt. Yeah, I got my black belt in 2016. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did I ever tell you my mom is second day on black belt in Taekwondo? No. She's like hardcore. Yeah. Wow. We just found out all this now. Yeah, no. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe you told that about, but you know what? Casey's mom has some other um, interesting eccentricities and quirks and interests that supersede that. She's sailing to the Bahamas right now on her boat. From from, From Hudson's Bay. Not Hudson's Bay, from uh, From, Lake Huron. Like by herself? No, with her boyfriend. She goes from Lake Huron down through Simcoe, down through the Trent to the St. Lawrence, out and down. Yeah, they're like in North Carolina right now. She's been gone since June. Just on a boat. Yeah, just yeah, a 40 so foot sailboat. Yeah. So she's, aside from being like a master sailor, she's also a second man. That's black crazy. <laughs> yeah. That, that superseded the, the Taekwondo. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's my much cooler. Family, yeah. My eccentric family background. Yeah. That's why. Well, yeah. I mean, Casey's from New Zealand. Yeah. That's also, so when I, when I, I just had um, lunch with uh, someone I've been working with for two years and we finally met today in person. Yep. And he's like, I said, oh, you know, I'm, from New Zealand and he's like who the hell's from New Zealand like it's very rare to meet someone from New Zealand because there's only there's like 20 million sheep and 3 million people it's like if somebody says are you from Australia do you take offense to that yeah well I went to university in Australia so like I don't actually take offense to it but I would say like there's a a c word that's used in Australia New Zealand very commonly right you might say f-u-u that um but like as a joking it's like a term of endearment there but i used to train uh, with a guy from new zealand he would go nuts we just call him an aussie he's like i'm not <laughs> from new zealand i'm like all right like your accent sounds the same like no, sorry it bro it does not See? sound the same it does not sound the same it sounds the same well, to, to us, us it would. Oh, yeah to us it does. it's pretty similar yeah well i mean we, we would know if you kept that accent going but yeah you scrubbed it out it comes, out, <laughs> it comes out sometimes usually after a free, few drinks hey gang yeah i <laughs> yeah. true <laughs> not today not today no <laughs> so what weight training gym were you at and how long did you did you dive into that before you realized you wanted to start your own gym okay so um i competed the heaviest in jiu-jitsu from 2011 to 2014 okay that was uh, like when i went all that's when i went all in that's I, so after our band i was playing in other bands and there was one that was i played in the band with ari Right. Um, and we lived together. And then I played in another band shortly. And I remember I was competing in jujitsu and playing in this band. And they like felt not like it was a conflict of interest, but my heart was somewhere else. And I felt that too. And they had, you know, sat me down and spoke to me. I'm like, yeah, I just want to do jujitsu. That was in 2011. Wow. So in 2011, Pretty yeah. Serious ultimatum. I think it was right after Worlds where I was like, wow, you're like, I actually did well at this tournament. So, you know, you would have placed, been placed first. <laughs> you would have placed first if it hadn't have been for that no, band. No. <laughs> no. The guy who beat me, the two matches I lost in the weight in the absolute were, they beat me. Yeah, they They're weren't in me. bands. Yeah, they weren't in bands. <laughs> so then around that time, I kind of just, you know, our gym was doing really well and there was a lot of momentum and everyone was training hard. So I'm like, let me jump on this thing. So 2011, 2014, and I was 
personally training people at their houses. And then I rented space at a gym called Blast, Blast Athletic that's not there anymore, but that was at DuPont and Spadina. Okay. So I'd go there, I'd pay the owner of the gym a fee per session, and I could charge whatever I want on top of that. And that helped me build a client roster and some rapport and stuff. That gym wow. has gone out of business. Um, I think he gave up his lease. And then the gym that took it over also went over out of business because they opened up around um, when COVID happened. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So now I think it's a dance studio, but it, great location right where the subway is, parking. Yeah. It was a no brainer. I'd go there, pay him like 16 bucks per session, and then I charge whatever I want. And that helped me build um, a good, like, foundational client roster and some experience and s- stuff like that, you know? So, so then. Apex yeah. started when? That was September 1st, 2015. Okay. Okay. Yep. And cool. so you had, um, so like how many different, how many clients would you have at that point? I'm not exactly sure. I was more, I was more concerned about like monthly revenue. Right. Yeah. Cause it's um, a big space, 6,000 yeah. square feet, right? My old one was 8,000. Okay, so he okay. went, you went to the original one when we first opened. Yeah. Yes. It's big. Like I've seen your gym and I was like, it's big. gosh, if it wasn't so far, I'd go there. Yeah. That was in 2015. 15. That was September 1st, 2015. That's when we opened. Yes. So yeah, our, no, the I last, well. yeah, the last jiu-jitsu tournament I did was Worlds 2014. I'll never forget. I was going against this guy. I, I started to do ultra heavy instead of super heavy. Um, ultra heavy, there's no end to the weight class. You could be, as long as you're over 222, you could be a thousand pounds. It doesn't matter. And there was That's this guy. <laughs> yeah. There was this guy that we, we were brown belts at the time. And I just remember seeing him a couple of years ago and he's, he's just, he looks like a bowling ball. He's just a huge human. Like he walks like, like his feet don't track this way. His like body shifts when he mm-hmm. walks. Mm-hmm. And he's so, an ultra heavyweight. He's, <laughs> some would say he's an ultra heavyweight and there's no chance he's going to go below ultra. Right. Like this guy's right. 100%. You can't cut to yeah, super. You can't cut. And I was always like plus or minus five pounds, but I'm like, you know what? I don't want to worry about my weight. I just want to go and compete because yeah. it doesn't matter anyways. And so first round, me and him, are against each other. And I'll never forget. I was thinking about my gym, like opening my gym while we were competing. Mm-hmm. And I tie up with him. I'm like, whatever I do, don't pull guard. Like, you don't want this guy on top of you. Right, right. I grab his gi, he grabs my gi, and he's like, he feels like a wall. He's just walking forward. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, this guy's <laughs> just too big of a human. And I pulled guard. Uh, he passed my guard once. I think I re-guarded, but the match was trash. And I lost. I'm like, you know what? My head is now pursuing this other thing where I want to open my gym. I want to yeah. spend a little bit of time doing that. And mm. so Worlds would have been 2014, May, June-ish, like the end of May, beginning of June. So then July, August, September, October. Yeah, it would have been like about nine months after that when we opened the gym. Because well. my brother and I were looking at leases. Uh, you know, it took us a long time to find a lease because there's um, we wanted a warehouse space. Yeah. And there's different... Um, zoning issues where you can't have a gym or fitness facility in an um, uh, industrial building. Right. They passed some law a couple of years ago. Oh. Uh, yeah. Because obviously the rent is cheaper. So guys, yeah. they want to have that for industrial um, businesses. Oh, okay. Right. So we had a, we found a loophole. Yeah. <laughs> where we Every little thing so you can't get a business going. <laughs> yeah. So our loophole for the first building was the guy had leased out 40,000 square feet for his tile business. And he subleased us the last eight. Okay. Oh, so nice. we subleased it from him. So we didn't weren't we didn't have any conflicts. Yeah, little loophole. Yeah, but it was actually pretty tough to find that. Um, and yeah, we signed the lease. I signed a three year lease in September first. And that was the fir- that first one. 
That was the first building. And you'd, you'd been to that one? Yes. I remember it quite well because that was when I got to my goal weight of yes. my diet. Yeah. And you hadn't seen me no. for that whole period of time. I, yeah. Yeah. We had just like lost touch. But um, Nell, Nell and I's friendship is, is, is interesting. Like I could not talk to him for 10 years and like we're friends again. Like it doesn't yeah, really that's matter. That's a sign like, of a true yeah. friendship. It's like you yeah. haven't seen them in a while and as soon as you see each other, you just pick up where you left. Yeah. yeah. And he was, but he like went through a insane transformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like very, very drastic. Yes. But I had not seen any of it, that process. Yeah, completely separate. Was that before you met Talia? Oh yeah, this is, oh, okay. Um, I lost 130 pounds in 2014. Yeah. Okay. And um, this was 2015. Okay. Yeah. And I started basically the prior fall. Yeah. And so I came to this uh, event and uh, <laughs> that was quite, I was like, Who's the, this guy? quite the attraction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you open in the gym, <laughs> like now, now, uh, ever since I've known him, has been like the, a heavier kid, right? Oh yeah, from like grade one and two, like he's always just been that. So it's just kind of like something. It just is what it is. Yeah, yeah, right. Until that moment. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> and that right? possibly was the last time we've seen each other. Could have been maybe yeah. once yeah. between, but yeah, yeah, that was probably the last time we saw each other. Yeah, so that um, was twenty fifteen. Cool. Wild. So yeah, we yeah. signed a three year lease there. And that was, honestly, that three years was a blur because I went from being essentially like a personal trainer. So my only goal was to work with my clients. I didn't understand how to run a business. Yeah. I didn't understand how to manage employees. None of that. Yeah. And also I never had a fixed work schedule. Right. I was only working when I had to train people. So like right. my, my, for me, I always have these things that I like doing and I try to integrate my work into that. So like I love doing jujitsu. Um, now I really love hiking and stuff, but yeah. before mainly it was jujitsu and training. Yeah. So I'd be like, okay, how do I fit my work schedule around my jujitsu s- schedule? Right. But now that I have a gym, I remember the first day I went there at 6am, I called my dad. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like right. I've never had a job, right. like essentially like a, like a yeah, normal, like a regular, like a, yeah. like a, like a job job, like a nine to five job other than, you know, odd jobs here and there in high school and whatever. And now I'm just sitting there like, what, do I just start typing? Like, what do I do? <laughs> You're like, um. Like, what do we do? How do you, yeah, how do I do this? So I kind of chalked the first three years up as like a learning experience. And good thing is like, I was already doing pretty good personally to at least float the rent. And, you know, we started having clients come and word, word of mouth and all that stuff. But then we moved uh, after that lease to my new space. And that's when I like, have really figured it out yeah hired staff and have systems and all that stuff so the first three years were almost like the like a, years. Edu- yeah an education and what to do yeah so now you have basically a gym manager and a bunch of trainers and it's all you're all coordinated like what's what's your structure i, now? I still don't have a, a manager i'm still i would say i'm still like the manager and handle like operations and stuff but i have you know front desk staff i have trainers i have people that do all the tasks for me to, mm-hmm. for the, for the most part. Um, I still like to be there Monday to Friday um, at some degree, but like if I'm not there for a week, everything runs smooth. Yeah. You know? Beautiful. It's not just relying on me. And I've, um, I used to run a lot of the personal training sessions. So our gym, we do a lot of PT yeah. um, personal training. We have group sessions and open gym as well. Those are kind of our three tiers of uh, revenue. I used to take on every personal training client. Anytime we got a referral, a cold lead, uh, uh, whatever, I took them all on to the point where I was running about 25 to 30 hours per week of PT, oh, wow, that's which 
it, it sounds it, yeah it doesn't sound like a lot for somebody who works like a 40 to 50 hour a week no, job it's a lot because like personal training it's yes. like you're really involved i do group training classes yeah. so there's like five of us but like even that is like you know i can imagine a lot but i mean that yeah. is a lot it's like 30 hours in person remember it might be your 10th session of the day. It's still their first. Yeah. So you have to be you on, have to you be have to be on. like engaged. You have to make sure everything's good. Plus programming and then plus running the gym, which was fine. But now, um, I refer everyone out. It's not like I don't want to train people, but unless it works perfectly with my schedule and you're an all-star client where you don't complain, you show up, you work hard. <laughs> I'll just hand you somebody else because like, I've already done that. I've already like yeah. held people's hands and like beg them to work out and like, come on, you got like, I've already done that. Yeah. And my guys, they need work too, right? Like yeah. they're here. They, you know, I give them the client. I, you know, they need to go through that process just like I did. Yeah. Right. So th- right now that's kind of where I'm, my head's at in terms of the business. I want to focus on the business, but not really do all like the nitty gritty work. I want to be from the outside and help grow it for everybody. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And in terms of your group sessions, you've got apex strength apex conditioning apex burn apex strong let's go through some of them and and walk through the you know why i would want to do one versus another okay so the names are not misleading but essentially so my philosophy on training is get the person to move well first address like what movement issues they have then load them and get them strong i fully believe everyone needs to get strong most people if you've never lifted lifted weights you're just weak Straight up. Yeah. yeah. Stronger so, people are harder to kill. Stronger people, like being strong is never bad. No one's been like, oh man, I'm way too strong. Like that's no. never yeah, been no, so. Yeah, no, I don't complain about that. I, it's, a big, it's a big confidence booster. Like yes. knowing that I'm strong, it's like, can't nobody break my stride. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I know. So the gym names, to be honest, they're, I kind of have them in place because when a, a customer comes, they need to see a variety. Mm-hmm. But once they're in our system, it's all group training. Mm-hmm. We, our group training style is we, I call it individualized personal training. Mm-hmm. So you're in a group, but like the programming and the, the relationship we have, the coach is pretty individualized because our groups are only like six to eight people and they know you. Like I know these people, I know what they did last week they, it's more hands-on. Yeah. When you're a member of my gym too, we actually send you out the program a week ahead of time. So you get the program for the week and you can say, okay, I'm going to go to these classes. These are the workouts. I'm going to track my numbers. So it's a little bit more involved. Um, with that, there's obviously, you know, a higher price points, but it's not just like a random class that somebody puts together on the board and just runs you through it. I would say the conditioning classes are more like that, but the goal of a conditioning class is to burn calories, to fatigue the person and to work on whatever energy system we we're trying to do that day. Usually like hit training or anaerobic training. But when it comes to strength training, there has to be a there has to be a goal. I want to get stronger on the X deadlift, squat, press. Okay. Well, if we only deadlift on week one and then we don't deadlift till week six, how are you going to get stronger? Right. Right. Like, you know, you've got, if you look at anything you've gotten good at, it takes hundreds and hundreds of repetitions. Right. Yeah. Think about the drums. Yeah. How many times you practice that pattern. Yes. <laughs> and, and so you can't not do it. Right. And I think people need to approach strength training as a skill. Yes. Obviously, the weights get you stronger, but the act of squatting, and you know this, yeah. it's a skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're yeah, teaching exactly. your body to organize it. You're putting heavy weight, you know, relative, and you're going up and down. Well, in that up and down, a lot of bad shit could happen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you die. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, the bar could crush you. Yeah. <laughs> totally. But if you know how to do it properly, you know, the world record squat right now, I think, is 1,100 pounds. Wow. wow. Like, there's people who could put up some big, big weights. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that What's their best squat? Um. 
1100? 1101. No, I'm not there yet. But I mean, the fact that like the first time, (laughs) the first time I ever put put the bar on and I had weights on. First, I started with just the bar. And then now I'm putting weights on. And now I'm putting more weights on, like a couple plates. Like maybe like... You know, it was like 10 and 10 on each side. And now it's like 10 and 15, 10 and 15 on each side. And it's like just the fact that I can do that or even that I don't need someone to like assist me to do it. And I know and I'm like, no problem, because when I do my circuit training in small group personal training, I'm like, no problem. Put some more weights on. And then I just like I do my squats and I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, no, it's okay. Put more weight on. There's no better feeling for me than to be like, fuck, yeah, I can do that. Like I'm Mm -hmm. I leave the gym and I'm like, guess what? I fucking bench today or like how much I squatted last night I'm like I feel so excited it's amazing because I I think at at the end of the day like something about displaying a strength or being strong is very like humanistic right Mm -hmm. like people want to be strong they want to be physical they want to like know that wow I'm I'm like a strong powerful person Mm -hmm. right Um, so that's basically the theory behind apex where I wanted to be more hands-on more coaching oriented and i think that's why we have a lot of personal training clients as well i say business wise about 50 50 50 personal training and 50 percent memberships that includes group training and then open gym or just people that come they pay a fee they can just lift on their own um some people pay a fee and they like also have a program that's kind of like a hybrid model but i find that people that do the group coach sessions they're either doing that or people are just like you know what i want to do my own thing I'm an ex-athlete or I'm used to this environment of the gym because my gym's not like a good life or a traditional gym. It's a warehouse. I have like 2,000 square feet of artificial turf, racks, platforms. Like, you know, I can have 14 people squat at once if I wanted to. It's more that style. So it's not very... I shouldn't say it's not beginner friendly because the atmosphere and the coaching is beginner friendly. But if you went as an open gym member and you've never stepped into a gym, it's not very intuitive there's no like treadmills and yeah, like you're not machine. gonna know yeah. what to do you're gonna that look around and be like, like self-serve turnkey if for a yeah. noob yeah yeah you're not gonna look you're gonna look around and be like okay like what do i do is yeah, this like, a gym like but yeah. maybe intimidated because like yeah. when i first i used to have a good life membership and i the only thing i would ever do is i'd go on the treadmill i do the step the stair thing and then i yeah. do like i'd go in the open um you know like where they do the classes like um whatever like the group training area group training area and i would do like a nike training app workout of like 10 pound weights and i would do that i would have if i hadn't done personal training or group personal training i would have no idea what to do because i would look at any machine and especially if i went to a gym where there was like a lot of really strong men or women i was like I'm fucking terrified and I wouldn't know yeah. what to do because I was intimidating and I was like, well, one, I don't want to hurt myself and two, I don't know what to do. I think that's most people's um, experience in the gym too. Mm. And unless you're going to invest in a personal trainer or somebody to show you what to do, most people are, are just going to stick to what they know. You're going to the gym and you're walking on the treadmill. Like, what are we really doing here? You're not yeah. getting stronger. No, I just walk outside really. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like you go to the gym, like in my donuts. Yeah. I think I think that you should be going to the gym to to get stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you know, the act of getting stronger or building your body up, it's, it's self-development at the end of the day. They're trying to actually build up yourself and the methodology is weight training. Right. But for someone like you, like you are incredibly fit and you've got a lot of muscle, but what would you do differently in your own personal routine to be like a bodybuilder body type? Like, okay, so how does that change? Well, okay, so my, my personal training, like how I yeah. train myself from the age of 18 to 34 has changed a lot. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Um, 
when I was in my 20s and all the guys who were 35 plus told me like, it's going to catch up with you one day. And I was like, no, it's not. Well, <laughs> it did. <laughs> you know, and uh, knock on wood, I've, I haven't sustained any like horrific injuries. Uh, most of my injuries are jiu-jitsu related just because of the randomness of the sport. You step one way, a guy goes to sweep you, your knee pops. It is what it is. Um, and 15 plus years of jiu-jitsu will do that. But I was always pretty smart with my weight training, even when I was like in my 20s. I was never that dumb. I probably could handle more volume when you're younger because you just recover faster. And plus, like when you're younger, there's not a lot going on in your life. You don't have kids or you don't have a mortgage or a stressful job. Like you could sleep and eat all day. Yeah. Really? Like, what do you got to go college? You know, like yeah. it's not, nothing's really happening. Plus you're younger. So you bounce back faster. So say if you could handle, you know, 25 reps in a workout. So you do five sets of five on the deadlift at a 80% or 85%. That might, you know, you might take a day or so, a day and a half to recover from that. But at my age, that might be like a two to three day thing. So it just takes a little bit more. Same with the hard jiu-jitsu session. So now um, the analogy that I always give is the, the glass of water, right? So if I give you a glass of water on Monday, every stress in your life, whether it has a good or bad response, is you taking a sip of that water. So weight training, jiu-jitsu, these are all stresses. The response is beneficial, but it's still a stress and your body recognizes it as a stress. Just like if you're dating somebody who's toxic or you you know, have tons of bills, these are all stresses. So the more sips of that water you take and the less recovery you implement in your life, um, you know, you might be done that glass of water and it's only Wednesday. Right. So while you train Thursday and Friday, now we're under recovering or overtraining, right? right? Um, to get to get back to your question though, for my own training, I'm just I just have to make good exercise selections and be very careful with my volume. Like I can't go and roll for an hour straight. Rolling is like sparring in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And then be like, okay, cool, I'm gonna go do a heavy deadlift session. Like that, that would just be like an error in terms of what I'm what I'm doing for my own body. Right. But right. for example, like how would you double the size of your arm? Okay. So if my goal is to, you know, bod- like, like, to body build. Yeah. To body build. What's the difference between body building? So if you're, if you're a bodybuilder, most of the magic of bodybuilder steroids aside is in the diet. Right. Okay. The tr- so all training is, is a stimulus is a stimulus. But if you don't have anything to, if that stimulus doesn't do anything or you don't take in the necessary calories or do the necessary things to grow from that stimulus, it, it, nothing will happen. Is this an eat more? You're saying eat more? If you're if you're trying to increase the size of your bicep or you're trying to get big, you have to put on weight. Mm. I can't just do a bunch of bicep curls and then eat like a normal person. My bicep's going to be massive right. because you would see a bunch of dudes walking outside with huge arms and there's regular bodies. Like it doesn't work that way. <laughs> like, you know, it's the same thing. Like if you're overweight and you do crunches all day, you're not going to have abs. You're not going to be like 20 pounds overweight and just shredded six pounds. <laughs> it's just the body isn't worth it. It's like, look at these abs, you know, like... I wish it looked that way, but it's just, it's just not reality. Right. So if your goal is to, you know, the words called hypertrophy or increase like the actual cell size, Uh your goal, you have to send a stimulus of growth. So if you do enough repetitions and sets and all that stuff at a certain amount of intensity to send that signal, but then you need to take in tons of calories to feed that signal. Okay. And sleep a lot. And then, you know, steroids do help. I'm not saying every bodybuilder is, but the examples you're thinking of, they're on huge amounts of steroids. Uh, And all steroids are basically like testosterone derivatives. Okay. So, you know, you're a year younger than me. 
your testosterone is probably at its peak right now mm-hmm. and it'll start to go down. Mm-hmm. If you don't have these hormonal signals to do things, like the things won't happen. Mm-hmm. This is why you don't see a natural 65-year-old who has more muscle mass than a jacked 20-year-old. Right. Like, he just doesn't have enough testosterone. Right. Right. This is also good because I was like, you know, when I first started lifting weights, I was like, oh, damn, like, I don't want to keep, I was like, oh, I don't want to lift too heavy because like my muscles are going to pop out of my arms and my sh- <laughs> my outfits aren't going to fit or something. Uh-huh. And it's like, that, that was not ever going to happen. Yeah. No. It, I think the education on that has, has gotten a lot better because now yeah. with social media, you see a lot of positive female yeah. examples. And look, if you lift weights, like you'll add some muscle. Yeah. But when a female client comes to me and they're like, I want to tone. Mm-hmm but I don't want to put any muscle. I'm like, what are you asking me to do? Like tone what? You don't have any muscle. Yeah, like, you I can't... need to make some muscle in order to tone it. Right. And the act, the, when you say I want to tone my body, all you're really saying is I want muscle mass and a little and less body fat. Right. right. Like I'm not actually shaping your bicep. Like I'm not like, I can't go into your bicep and like shape it differently. Like that's all predetermined. Totally. Like muscle insertion points and origins, like that's your genetics. Right. That's why some people flex in their biceps very short. Some people's are longer. Like these are muscle bellies. Like I don't, I don't make those rules. Mm-hmm. Right. That's blame your parents on that one. You know, <laughs> but there's not a lot of girls walking around going like really jacked girls going, you know, case snuck up on me. Like, you know, I was, yeah. I was wearing a dress a couple of weeks ago and then look at all this. Like where all this muscle come from? (laughs) Like the girls who are quote unquote jacked are like they're trying to do that. They're working working to get that way. Yeah, Yeah, and like some some people have better genetics than others. Mm -hmm. Some people have worse. You know, there are. I think the genetic card is played a little too much, but it definitely is a factor. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm six four and I'm two twenty five. Like I, you've obviously met my mom. My mom's big, broad shoulders, big head. Like that's who designed me. Yeah. Mm Uh, my dad's short. He's Italian. He's only like 5'8". My mom's 5'10". My mom's taller than him. Okay. So if I had more of my father's genetics, I might hold a little bit more body fat. Like, mm-hmm. you've known me. I've always been a skinny kid mm-hmm. my whole life. Yeah. It's hard for me to put on weight. Like, if I don't eat in excess and lift in excess, I actually lose weight fast. Right. Mm-hmm. So they would call me what's called a hard gainer. Right. Where right. you might have another kid who looks at a donut and he like blows up. <laughs> yeah. But those guys have more potential to get strong because they could right. put on weight and hold it. Right. Yeah. I, I would be an easy gainer. Yeah, <laughs> you look at it. No donuts, right? Yeah, no, it's I true. Look at but he probably has a big potential to put on more muscle mass because he could add mass to his body. Potential, potential, <laughs> potentially. Potential. Yeah, if he started yeah. lifting, I don't know if you're lifting, so no, n- not Just enough. Lifting I'm lifting a ten month old. Just like this, doing crunches with the baby. But yeah, I mean, you're in a uh, you're a good size to easily sign on that absolute line. I think versus, so. Yeah, uh, you know, versus uh, yeah, like five. I'm a bigger guy. Like, yeah. there's not a lot of six four two twenty fives walking around. Like a true six four. You know, I've been yeah. tall my whole <laughs> life. A true six four. Not like a dating app six four when you're really like yeah five eleven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like that's what six four looks like. I swear it was bigger. <laughs> I've, I've heard that happens a lot. I mean, I've never ever used a dating app, um, but apparently that. I'll tell you this: if a guy says he's six feet on a dating app, he's 100 percent not six feet. <laughs> Six feet means five nine. Six one means five eleven. <laughs> but I'm a true six four. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Note that. Note that. So you are six five in shoes, I guess. Uh probably like six four. Are you on any yeah. dating apps for any of the <laughs> But um that wasn't a no. <laughs> no, no, I do have a girlfriend. Okay. Uh, so that, no. was, that also wasn't a no. <laughs> She's five nine. So if we have a okay. kid, the kid's gonna be a unit, you know? Yeah. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um 
I haven't heard that since like I used to hang out with hockey people. Well, well my brother plays hockey professionally, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's where it comes from. Brilliant. Professionally, yeah. Yes, yes. Plays in Russia. I know. Wow. He was in the Olympics too. You yeah. sent me a message, right? 100%. You and your brother. Really? I can't remember. Wow. Yeah. 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 The last We've Olympics. Been- Cool. Eddie fans our whole lives pretty well. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll tell a, a story. This is for me and now, but this is a good story. Yeah. So I am very close to my brother. My brother is uh, somebody I look up to. Um, in my opinion, my he's brother, brother. My, yeah, he's younger than me. He's two years younger than me. He's There's no one who's more disciplined than my brother. This kid's like a robot. He's played professional, you could say professional hockey, even though he wasn't paid for it since he was eight years old. Like he's okay. played the highest mm-hmm. level. Yeah. And... I'll never forget this. This is this girl we used to hang out with. I'm not going to name her name. I'll tell you after. We were sitting, they used to have in their backyard like a fire pit. We'd all hang out. Mm-hmm. And this girl, I was 14 maybe. So my brother would have been 12, right? Nowhere close to the NHL. And I remember this girl was looking me in the eyes like, your brother will never play in the NHL. Well, like giving me all these statistics. And I looked at her, I stopped and I said, I guarantee he will play in the NHL. And I got like cold and I, I'll never forget that. And the first wow. game my brother played in the NHL, I remember that story. I'm like, I, I was right. <laughs> right? But uh, yeah, yeah, he's a goalie. Yeah, so. He didn't start out being a, a child that I would have been like, he's disciplined. He's going to make the NHL. No, he's right. Like, but like you also really didn't know young, him like I really yeah, young, yeah, Really young. But yeah. I'm saying, I'm literally saying like maybe eight, what yeah, say, yeah, yeah. nine, you know? Like when I mean? we were at Crestwood. Like when yeah. we were at Crestwood. Yeah. You wouldn't have picked him out of, you know, you wouldn't have. But, but it's hard to know at that age, though. It is. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, obviously, yeah. Yeah. It was. And, um, and he started. I mean, he took hockey. He took hockey very seriously. Yeah. When when he was ten, I guess. He, so he the was thing right about hockey. We used to go to his games. Yeah, ho- yeah. We used to go to his games too. Hockey's Girl a tough sport. Sandwiches at Ho- those games. Hockey's a tough sport because the path to the NHL mm. is you have to be good young. Yeah, There's no yeah, college. Totally. Like kids can go to college now, but it's very tough to go to the NHL. You get drafted to the NHL at eighteen. Yeah. So if you don't have your ducks in a row at like 14, 15, and 16, good luck. Right. Where basketball, football, it's, you know, they could go to university, figure it out in university, and then like go into the draft when they want. They could be drafted at 22. That's not how hockey works, right? So my brother was drafted to the NHL in 2009. You know, he was 18, 19 years old, and, you know, played in the American League, which is like a feeder system. Played a couple games in the NHL, and then a Russian league called the KHL offered him a big contract, so... He took the money and he's playing there. Cool. Yeah. 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 But, uh, okay, back to your point. So when it comes to muscle size, again, the weight training, think of the weights as the stimulus, but if you're not recovering from the stimulus, you're not doing the bulk of the work. Mm -hmm. The food, the sleep, stress management. You know, sleep is, I think, the most underrated. That should be prior. I never even thought about that. Yeah. Wow. Sleep is very, very important if you want to grow and get stronger. There was a study that they had um, two groups on the same calorie deficit. So if you're in a calorie deficit, um, let's say your maintenance calories are 2,000. So if you eat 2,000 calorie days, calories per day, your weight doesn't go up or down. Uh-huh. They put them on a deficit. So let's say 1,500. You should be losing about a pound a week. The group that was sleeping regularly and the group that wasn't sleeping regularly both lost the same amount of weight. But the group that was sleeping regularly retained sixty percent of their muscle mass. Sixty percent. Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. So they had the same. So they were kind of losing more weight too, because yeah, they were they were they're, they're losing more fat, burning yeah, more fat. Yeah, they were their fat. body composition remained better than that. Group. Right. Yep. Do you have an apex sleep? 
No. <laughs> no, we don't. Uh, I'm very <laughs> big on sleep. Yeah. That I'll, take, big I'll on sleep. take the Apex sleep. sleep. <laughs> like, all right, go to bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's an app and you just log it and it counts as your workout hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sleep is very important. You know, I'm up at four in the morning, so I'm yeah, usually in bed at like you're, yeah. you're up. Yeah. What time do you go like, to bed? 830. Yeah. Wow. Uh, 8.39. Not a lot of Netflix in your pastime, I no. guess. <laughs> My day is just like take a regular day and just shift it down. Yeah. Well, that's like by 12 o'clock, I've already like done everything, you know? Yes. But um, I enjoy right. it. Like it was a little bit tough to adjust in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, I, was, I became an early riser and I remember the first time like waking up at like 7 a.m. and 8 a.m. was tough. And then, you mm-hmm. know, you just slowly chip away at it 30 minutes here and there. Yeah. You get an early client. Next thing you know, you have a 6 a.m. client. Well, I got to be up at 5. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I've had a 5 a.m. client. I used to wake up at 3.30. That one I never adjusted to, but, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I'm up at 5. I'm out running usually at 7.30. And I think people who are early risers, they tend to get more things done. I get so much done. I've called yeah. Nell at 8.30 this morning. And I'm like, talking about things about mm-hmm. the day. And like, yeah. I knew he was up, but it's like, normally you wouldn't call someone you work with at 8.30 in the morning and like give them your plan for yeah. the day. But I mean, I love getting up. I went through a while, like I had, you know, COVID last year and it's like, I took, it took a long time for me to get back into my running and getting up early because I just felt like haggard. Um, But I'm, (laughs) I was haggard. I just couldn't do it. But I mean, I'm back to it now. And like, if I don't get up early and I don't run, it's like, I feel like my whole day I'm I'm slugging. But if it's like, if I get up early and I'm like, get my shit done, it's like, I, I, I feel like a champion. Yeah. I don't have any like statistics or, you know, like studies on that. But just from like um, my own point of view, I feel like if I oversleep or stay in bed and drag it on, you become almost less productive and you're like more tired throughout the day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree. Yeah. I found um, that as well. I think it's just building momentum, right? Like you make your bed, you have coffee, you're out running and next thing you know, like the ball's rolling, like endorphins are going and you feel good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, at my gym, the people I find who are the most successful do train early in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's not saying that people who train later at night mm-hmm. aren't. I just find the people in the morning, they never miss sessions mm-hmm. because there's not a lot of obstacles in between like waking up at 6 a.m. Like right. what could really go wrong? You right. just get up. Out, I, like, I lay yeah, my right. stuff out on the, I lay my stuff out and I literally sometimes like, I've had times where I'm like, I have had my gym clothes on. I slept in my yeah, clothes yeah. and I get up in the morning. I just put on my socks and my shoes and I go right outside. That's perfect. Well, there's something yeah. really wonderful being up and going before most people are up and going. Yeah. You get this, like you're not getting emails. You're not getting, it's just, yeah. it's, it's so nice. It's a great time of day. And I think people who are, you know, higher achievers or uh, more on top of their life tend to do that. Mm-hmm. They tend to like wake up earlier. They tend to get the physical activity out of the way early. Um, you know, that might just be people that I know are my, you know, what I've seen in the world. But I think it's a yeah. thing because like a lot of you look at some of the most successful people. There's articles about it all, yeah. all the time that like that's a, a common thing through people who are more successful is that they often get up early and get things done. Yeah. Um, the time I wake up is not mandatory. Mm-hmm. I, I go to the gym for five 30 to six in that time window, but I just don't like to rush in the morning. Yeah. So my yeah, alarm set for four 15. Uh, it rarely wakes me up. Usually I'm up at four, but I don't like to rush. Like I have a whole routine that I do and that kind of sets a tone for the day. Yeah. Make my bed, listen to a podcast, coffee, mm-hmm. yeah. that whole thing. Um, whatever you, yeah. Sort of room to putter. Yeah. 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 Like whatever morning routine you need is fine i just don't like okay what's the minimum amount of time yeah. that i need it's like I okay i gotta rush. be there at six i'll wake up at 5 30 and then you're rushing yeah oh that's not a good way to start yeah 
but I've learned that later in life. Yeah. Like when I was 18, it's like, okay, I'd be there at eight. I could wake up at 742. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> you know? Not um, anymore. You, you mature, right? So Totally. Yep. Where do you see your gym and your career in five years? Okay, so this is actually very interesting. Um, like I was saying before, I I am outsourcing a lot of my in-person clients. Uh, in During COVID, I'll be honest now because it's kind of done. We were just illegally training people all day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if anyone Sweet. tries to arrest me, uh, this is not yeah. Matthew. Yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, <laughs> for legal purposes, but we were... It's a deep fake. Yeah. The whole episode's <laughs> deep fake. I, had, I have Apex and then my friend... Um, we have a gym on top of Chesswood Arena, which is a hockey rink. Really? Yeah. Um, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I know Chess. Well, I mean, we've been You probably Chess. know Jesse Hepshire because he went to yeah. school with him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hebsy, uh, his, his family owns the Toronto Red Wings, which is a AAA organization my brother played for growing up. So he has a, the, right on top of the rink, he has a gym there. And right when COVID happened, he does jiu-jitsu as well. We decided to buy mats and put them down just so we like, we don't know how long this is going to go for. And jiu-jitsu is the least covid friendly activity you could possibly do right. the whole goal is to like smash somebody like that yeah. like to be this close really to somebody close. like if you want like you all the jiu-jitsu gyms were closed and like yeah. red flagged and they even did like a news report on my gym and stuff and i'm like i'm not going a week without doing jiu-jitsu so we'll figure this out we got our own mats we built our own training and we made it open to everyone to train with us um i was also traveling to um hamilton to train with one of my buddies who had a gym there too boarded up windows, stuff like that. Um, and then when we put the mats down, I said, look, this this gym, because the mat space is not that big. The um, actual facility was pretty big. I'm like, let me buy some equipment. We'll outfit this with some more equipment and we'll just like get this started because all the hockey kids need to train here because yeah. it's part of their... Um, it's built into the payment that they make per season. Oh, right. So they have like off-ice training once per week. Right. Obviously, at the time, we didn't know COVID and things would be locked down. Like my gym was essentially locked down for two years. Right. Right. Yeah, that's insane. Crazy. It was a lot. We didn't know that. We're talking like March, April, 2020. Okay. Yeah. So I told my guys at Apex, I said, look, what, what do you need from me in order to continue to work and in order to make everyone feel comfortable? So they told me what it was. And I'm like, cool, we're just going to run personal training here. I'm going to not have any of the gym memberships because it's just too, too much in and out, too much like mm. visibility. Like we need to kind of stay off the grid. Also, personal training is easier to control because we could plan it at certain times. We could make sure not too many people are in the gym because whether you social distance with that. Yeah. Whether your whatever your opinion is on COVID, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, if the client doesn't feel comfortable, they're not going to train with you. Yeah. So if you think this is all bullshit and you're like, it doesn't matter because they make the decision. They've hired you right. to be their coach. So everything was going to be at a schedule. And then I'm like, I'm going to take all my clients to Chesswood because I have a key to the rink because mm-hmm. Jesse got me a key to the rink. So I have access to that because the rink was closed. Right. And we built a little gym on top of there. I started training people and doing jujitsu. And uh, yeah, it was great. And all my coaches were happy. And when COVID started to end and things started opening up, I, I wanted to like, give all my clients to another one of my coaches or disperse them. I had some that had fallen off too, because some people had hired me during COVID because there weren't actual gyms open. So it was like, I'm going to hire you as a coach for the time being. Mm -hmm. And I kind of found myself in a place where I didn't have a lot of clients, but I was actually happy because all of my coaches had clients, which is also bringing money to the gym. Yeah. We have our membership built up and everything is going good. But personally, I just felt like I wasn't working enough. Like I would have days, I would have like 
going from five sessions a day to one or two a week. Wow, right. Oh, wow, that's right. a big change. Yeah, and it's like you just feel not like useless, but I just felt like selfish. I was just doing jiu-jitsu all day, going hiking with my dog. I was just, I wasn't like serving anybody, mm-hmm. you know? So then I decided to hire a business coach and I said, my my friend referred me and I said, I want to learn how to grow like the online training um, space because that really got popular during COVID, right? Yeah. Obviously you can see people, online coaches got popular and not online coaching from the standpoint of like, you're just doing a workout and I'm zooming it to you. It's more like I'm a coach. I provide you the program. We have communication back and forth. Mm. There's apps that you could use that make it very um, user-friendly. And it's essentially as if I was there. Right. Yeah. And the thing that I like about that is it's a new challenge for me. And also, it's it's not restricting me time-wise. It's not like you have to be at a 9 a.m. session. Right. Yeah. Right? So I hired him to kind of show me how to do this. Right? And I just launched that two weeks ago. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Awesome. Thank That's you. Exciting. Basically, what I what the whole thing was is my social media presence was not anything really. It was just like pictures of me and my dog and like me doing like there was no like who is this person. Right. So he basically helped me um create an avatar who's like your, you know, client that you want to target mm-hmm. and start creating creating stuff for that. And one thing that I'm big on is obviously strength training and all these things are good. But you fall, you fall to the level of your systems. Mm-hmm. So, for Absolutely. example, if somebody's like trying to get in shape or they're trying to eat better, you're not going to go from like getting takeout every night to now all of a sudden getting Tupperware and meal prepping. You're like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> like you're going to do that for three I days and be like, I hate my life. You're right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't work like <laughs> that. it doesn't work like that. Just like you wouldn't put a child in school and be like, okay, this is how addition works, and the next day's algebra. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, there there needs to be steps, and I think a lot of coaches who have I don't want to say made it to like the end of the game, but people who are at level 10, forget what level one was like. Yes. Right. Right. And there's a lot of things that I do that I could help people get there, but I need to figure out how they get there. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go from not working out at all to working four days a week, well, why don't we try with one day a week? Yeah, for sure. Because like if you say I'm going to do four days a week and then week two, you miss one session and three days a week. Now you you feel like a failure. Right. Yeah. So all the content I'm trying to create is more about habit building, about creating systems that will help get you in the best physical, mental, whatever shape you want to be in. Yeah, fantastic. But I really think that if you don't have these habits built in and you don't have these systems built in, you're you're signed up to fail. Yeah, absolutely. And you could take anything that anyone's got good at or, you know, education, this, that, and it's all about systems. It's all, all about being consistent and it's all about how do I set myself up to not fail? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And Um, and you don't do it by driving yourself into a brick wall. Yeah. You don't do it by like, yeah, I'm going to go buy a bunch of Tupperware and start making chicken and broccoli. Like, dude, you're eating Kraft dinner the other day. Like, (laughs) it doesn't work that way. Or you got like Uber Eats McDonald's. Yeah. Like, like, why don't we just start with like at least tracking what you're eating and just so you are at least aware of it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Pay attention to what you're doing. And it's the same thing. Like when you entered the gym, they started with a barbell. They didn't say, okay, max effort squats, 225, let's go. (laughs) Yeah. No, it was like I started with the bar and then I started like, you know, different things like, okay, doing sit-ups. Like, I mean, you know, just doing certain things. But now like I do my sit-ups like 
holding a weight, you know, like yeah. I'm like doing things like they modify all the exercises so that I can do it a little bit harder because they know that I want to yeah, go the, a little bit harder. The foundation, fo- foundation I, of training is called progressive overload, yeah. right? So there's a story in the Bible that I don't know the story, but it's like the kid was born and a calf was born and he would put the calf on his shoulder and walk up the hill. As he got bigger and stronger, the calf got bigger. Progressive overload. Right. Calf weighs 10 pounds. Week 10, it weighs 100 pounds. Right. And you could apply that to anything you want to do in your life. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people go 0 to 100 way too fast. They either burn out or they have a negative experience. Yeah. And my whole thing is I don't know what it's like to be at level one. To be honest, I was 18 when I started doing jiu-jitsu, mm-hmm. when I started lifting, and when I started doing all these things. But I think I... I'm at least smart enough to understand how I could take somebody from level one to get them to level two, three, and four, mm-hmm. and then build a system. So my online thing, I was basically creating all this content to reach those type of people, you know, like um, uh, late 20s, early 30s, some of you probably just started their career mm-hmm. and has lost a bit of touch of what they were like physically, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the recreational basketball league that they used to play and they can't play it anymore. Right. And then next thing you know, you're sitting with 20 pounds of extra body weight that you don't want. Right. You know, five five years goes by fast. Yeah. It's a couple pounds a year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> comes easy. Oh, anything. yeah. It comes easy. It comes very easy. And the older you get and the less physical physical activity you get and the less um, habits you have, the more it'll come. And when you're 45, uh, 50, 55 plus, it's a lot tougher. Yeah. So that was kind of my demographic. And then I, you know, put all these things together, launched this program. We have 10 people signed up. I only wanted to take on 10 because this is something that's new for me. And I wanted to make sure I give people as much attention as possible, you know, within reason it is online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this is virtual, right? It's all virtual. Is it, are you together with the 10 other people or is it individual? Okay. So what, what I'm doing is for this particular program, it's three months and they get a custom workout program based on what, you know, if they've exercised before, equipment, accessibility to gyms, things like that. But the workout program is, is geared towards them. It's not just a stock program. They have a one time per week phone call with me where we could just kind of go over through everything and, you know, see what they're struggling with, things like that. And plus we have communication um, through the app. Most of the people have my personal contact anyways. And then the last thing, I, I, I haven't done this yet because we're only two weeks in. I need to see a little bit more from people, but I want to make like a Facebook group or a community group mm-hmm. yeah. so they could all, you know, talk amongst themselves. Yeah, very um, nice. Some people are at different levels. Like some people actually used to train at my, train at my gym and they're, they're used to the style of training. So they're kind of, you know, going for it, for, they're going with it a little bit faster. And then some people, this is kind of new for them. So I need to make sure that everyone is at least seeing the results or the gains that they would like to, to see. You know? Yeah, that's fantastic. So it's three yeah. months. Three months. I think people need to commit. Um, yeah, three th- months is great. I think that's a good yeah. I'll tell you, if in three months you're accepting more people, I would be, <laughs> I would be game. Perfect. All right. We'll talk. We'll get you on a phone call. I'll be like, no. Yeah, get me on a phone call. <laughs> yeah. I'd love Amazing. that. I think, um, I think people need to commit, not just in themselves, but they need to be accountable to me. That's what I loved about Bernstein too, because I did yeah. the diet with Bernstein. The accountability to these—that's everything. That's huge. And I'll be straight up: the number way, one way to be accountable is to spend money. Yeah, um, no, I agree. Yeah, oh, yeah, it is. The Bernstein business coach I hired fifty yeah. a month, right? The, 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 the yeah, uh, I pay a good amount for my yep, gym. <laughs> the business coach I hired, um, 
I don't want to say expenses because expenses all relative, right? Right. But it was if anyone would hear that amount of money that he was charging, you'd be like, whoa. Right. But he had three different options mm-hmm. for me. And I said, look, I know how I am. If I don't go with the, the highest, most expensive one, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even though I th- I'm probably overpaying a little bit, I just know that that will make me do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it yeah, doesn't I, make you gag. No, that's what I do. If it doesn't hurt, it's like, not going to help. Yeah, exactly. I, missed yeah. a, I missed a class on Sunday. Yeah. And I was like, Fuck, I just lit that money on fire. You know, because yeah, I know yeah. that like if I miss a class, like I know that it's, you know, it's a certain amount and like I don't want to miss anything. I'm accountable to myself and I'm yep. accountable to like I spent that money and it's like not like what you would pay at a good life or something like Are that. Are you paying like a per class rate? Um, I pay like um, per every I pay a certain amount for every four weeks. Gotcha. For a group personal training, but it's yep. like hundreds of dollars. Yeah. And that and it should be right yeah. because it's you're getting a better experience and you're probably cutting around all the wasted time that you would have. Yeah, And it's like, I, I love it. And I've considered like, maybe I'll just go to a regular gym and it's like, no, yes. I'm never doing that. Yeah. And I think like, I, I don't think it's a, a good idea to cheap out on yourself. No, you yeah. know, you got to invest in yourself. Yeah. Like, look at the end of the day, like what do you really actually have? Like all of this is, is great, but I don't have any, like these clothes and shoes and tables and whatever. This is not real, mm-hmm. right? The only things you have is your mind and your body, mm-hmm. right? Those are, everything else could explode. Mm-hmm. You'll yeah. still be stuck with your body. There's a, a phrase, wherever you go, there you are, right? Yeah. So if you're not content with yourself, like if you can't sit with yourself and be okay with that, well, at least head in the right direction to fix it, right? Yeah, I'll see you in three months. <laughs> <laughs> have I sold you? Yeah, I sold I me. Mean, now look, now the price goes up. <laughs> we'll talk. Accountable, accountable. Do you have like a I fee mean, that I can lock in right now? Or? <laughs> amazing, amazing. So awesome. yeah, yeah, like obviously most of the work that I do is on people's like physical appearance or their bodies. But as you know yourself, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of, um, confidence and self-esteem that goes with getting stronger and lifting weights and accomplishing things. And it might feel silly to somebody like, oh, you squatted 150 and now you squat 160. It's like, well, that took a lot of effort. Yeah, it took and a lot, that took a lot of yeah dedication to me. And I think getting good at anything like bass, drums, or whatever it is, this is how people build self-esteem. For yeah, me, absolutely. it was jujitsu. And yeah. identity. Yeah. Identity. Yeah. Yeah. I think about this a lot with Ariel, my daughter. And, yeah. and, and, you know, when I was young, even before, young, a lot younger than that, yeah. I always had a tremendous self identity. Right. That was yeah. completely disconnected from like the culture never, I never looked to the culture to stamp an identity on me. I yes. was never like looking for stuff. I was like that too. Uh, yeah. yeah. I like, knew myself i had already had confidence that i was good at certain things and i had certain ambitions and hobbies and interests and it was just you know so when i re-met henry i wasn't like that right my first thing was music and that's why it's music whatever relationship i have with it is very special to me yeah now i'm like a an active listener you could say somebody who like searches out music and and is always excited to hear new things Mm -hmm. but when i had re-met henry in that grade nine class i didn't really know like who I was, mm-hmm. yeah. you know what I'm saying? And I think at that age too, some people confuse that with depression mm-hmm. and you're not depressed. Like, obviously there is depression. I don't want to yeah. you know, downplay that, uh, but I think a lot of people, Oh, it mu- there must be something wrong with me. Right. Well, you just got to do something, man. Yeah. Like you yeah. literally does. And it could be anything. Go bird watching, go like walking around. Like, I don't know, just do something. I just didn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until he stepped in, I'm like, oh, this is like a thing. And now I'm part of a community and like, yeah. like, this is really cool. 
And then jiu-jitsu was like that for me and weight training. And like, now I could help teach other people like that. Because if you don't learn that for yourself, that could go on for years. You could be a 35 year old being like, I guess I'm just depressed. Right. Yeah. And it's like, well, are you? Yeah. Have you tried anything? Yeah. Have you done anything physical or anything that challenges your brain or your body or anything to get better at something? Like, have you, who, like, who are you? Right. Right. That's a really good point. Um, so for me, there was those three stages, the music first, uh, the jujitsu competitor, and now the gym owner, you know, train, train. yeah, trying to like transition in the online space, but this is like the new thing that I, that I'm trying to do. And I, I think obviously there's a lot of competitors out there, but this, this market's wide open, right? Yeah. There's, yeah. I agree. There's tons. And for me, I'm not trying to sell a low ticket item to hundreds of thousands of people. Right. I'm trying to sell a higher ticket item to like 50 people. Right. 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 Yet at the same time, having a larger pool of people of potential buyers. Right. And I think that what sprung me to try to grow my Instagram and go from like maybe posting once every two weeks, like a picture of me and my dog with a stupid caption to now at one point I was posting like three times a day. Yeah. Right. Cause he had taught me strategies, you know, engagement sprints, investment sprints, um, you know, making sure you're, creating conversations and on the back end as well. Yeah. Things that, to be honest, if I probably like Google it, I'd figure out how to do it. But having a coach and paying that yeah. money to the coach- it helped me fast track. It helped me fast track. And it also made me want to do it because just like you paying the training class, like you don't want to burn your money. Yeah. Right? And uh, that's kind of like where my head's at now. I really want to grow that. Again, I'm not opposed to taking people in person, but it would have to be perfect client, perfect time. I'm not going to like train somebody at 7 p.m., Mm-hmm. Right, like I'm going to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> like I'll give that to like I have like six coaches that would be happy to take that client. Yes. On. Mm-hmm. But if you want to work out with me at a specific time and you're good to do that, I might take you on. Right. Yeah. But online, I'm taking everyone on. Yeah. Cool. Fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. Well, we wish you all the success in the world. Thank you. That. And yeah. it's been just <laughs> incredible to awesome. see you and for you to be here. I need yeah. those videos. Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll send them to you. We'll send them to you. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. I Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you for your time. Thanks for tuning into this episode with Matthew Pasquale. Visit apextrainingcenter.com to check out his gym. That's A-P-E-X trainingcenter.com to check it out. Find more episodes of our podcast at castofcreators.com. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube or follow on your favorite podcast platform.